0: You're listening to episode 14 of The Right Notes, like warm butter on your face with Brent Lucia. Stay tuned as we talk about music, writing, and all that. This is The Right Notes with Guy McKendry and John Carter. Welcome to this episode of The Right Notes. I'm Guy McKendry with John Carter. And today our guest is Brent Lucia, who is an assistant professor in residence at the University of Connecticut. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the podcast and talk you know, about some of your research, some of your work, about your writing, and most importantly, about music. Um, So let's just kind of jump in um, real quick, and can you just tell us a little bit about um, kind of your academic background, what you study, kind of how you got to where you are right now?
1: Great, yeah, thanks. I um, Again, I I work at the University of Connecticut, um, the School of Business. I teach um, business writing mostly, um, also business communication courses. My um, PhDs in com- uh, composition and applied linguistics. Um, so while the PhD has those, those concepts in mind, I, I really um, got attracted to rhetoric um, during my, my time at um, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, um, supposedly learning about composition, which I also hmm. learned about. So those two things have been pulling me. Um, composition, the pedagogy of, of, uh, that happens in a writing classroom, but then also rhetoric and rhetorical theory. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, uh, recently my scholarship has been pulled in those two, um, I guess areas. Um, I'm working on, um, thinking about posthumanism and how it can be sort of thought through, um, for the, the composition classroom. So in other words, trying to grapple with some of the very, um, abstract and various definitions of post-humanism and thinking about how it can be. Uh, materialized in a um, in a curriculum um, and so that's been part of my 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 scholarship work and then also um, with some colleagues I have over at Indiana University of Pennsylvania um, we've been looking at the rhetoric of technologies and very influenced by um, the works of say Isabel Peterson and Jonathan Tinnell um, we've been just considering how um, rhetorical motives are helping us sort of through our relationship with technology, particularly Google Lens. We've done some research on that on that um, that media. So um, one of the things that's sort of always been influenced by my work um, since school has been again, new materialism mostly or post humanism. So that that's been sort of underlining both those those projects.
0: Yeah, one of the kind of ongoing conversations we've had, uh, especially with, I mean, because John and I are both rhetoricians, uh, our initial call out for guests kind of draws pretty heavily from uh, the comp studies and ret comp world. And Mm -hmm. there's been this like undercurrent of so many people talking about, well, I study digital rhetoric or emerging technologies. And, um, you know, we are always kind of musing on here about the point at which we hit saturation and that's not a new thing anymore. It's just what rhetoric is.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And John, you know, this, um, from, from our IRW days, um, you know, rhetoric has been taken up so differently around the world, I feel like, um, and you know, my, my take, and I'm still sort of involved in international rhetoric workshop is that um, particularly in the United States, um, this understanding of trying to think about how rhetoric um, is, is being thought about and, and evolving in our communities and our environment and related to human and non-human elements is very prominent. And in other countries, it's, it's still very, um, very typical to be thinking about it in sort of the political discourse or at how it works in, in politics, not to say that I know that sounds reductive to a degree, but um, it's just it's, it's opened my eyes to this like sort of how the American perspective versus this sort of various international perspectives on what is rhetoric and
0: how are we supposed to be dealing with it. So, um, can we talk a little bit about, so in just a moment, John is going to talk to you about the music that you listen to when you're working, grading, writing, those kinds of things. But can you just tell us a little bit about outside of work? What kinds of music do you listen to? Uh, what genres, styles, uh, bands, songs, what's your taste of music like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I like how it separates what I do, what I listen to when I write and, and try to like, rhetorically invent versus what I'm doing when I'm like biking or walking um, or riding my car, uh, riding, excuse me, riding in my car. Um, I, you know, it, it really depends on, um, I guess the, the, the moment or what I'm doing. I have always loved, you know, back in high school, I was obsessed with like, uh, um, early, you know, classic rock. So the Beatles, I remember the first time I heard a Beatles record, it just blew my mind. Cause all I was listening to at the time was the runner and Pearl jam. Um, which surprisingly, I've been sort of going back towards like those early grunge bands um, recently and in, in revisiting it. But um, I would say that was sort of the catalyst to um, getting me to listen to different things. I, I got into um, sort of the, the psychedelic era of the Beatles, like Rubber Soul and Revolver. And that led into Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, and this whole um, breath of, cla- of like classic rock. So I've always had a, had a love for that um i think then in my late 20s i i actually uh, was circling around like a, a larger jazz community and so that that attention to um jazz musicians that i was seeing and and sort of being around in, in just my social circle got me attracted to folks like bill evans um miles davis john coltrane um grant green I, a lot of um certain jazz musicians That have been just on my playlist consistently for the past ten years, I think. So I've gone through all different cycles, I think. Um all the different cycles with the types of music I like. I I I listen to, you know, hip hop on occasion too. I just um really depends on what I'm feeling or, or what I'm doing.
0: Do you is there like any kind of mood that you feel like pushes you or pulls you in, say, the direction of jazz versus hip hop? or grunge like what's bringing you back to grunge right now
1: yeah that's a great question i think um being in quarantine and i don't know there's there's been this feeling a solitude towards it you know i'm in out here in new york and uh, everything's fairly shut down there hasn't been a lot to do um i found myself you know walking out to um this island near where i live randall's island and listening to vertology again and some early Pearl Jam records and they just kind of spoke to me. I don't know, maybe it was because I've always uh, attached like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, um, those early grunge bands to kind of this like, almost like depressing yet enjoyable music. I, I also really liked Alice chain so I've been re- <laughs> like revisiting them too. And again, I really haven't listened to these records in like 15 years. Um, so maybe something to do with this COVID and this this um, quarantine has, has brought me back to it. Um, if I, you know, if I want to go, hip hop kind of brings me up. I mean, it sort of gets me energized. So if I'm running, um, if I want to, yeah, if I'm walking, running, I, I like to use, I like to listen to a lot of hip hop. Um, I should also mention that I'm a huge Radiohead fan, probably like every other academic out there. Uh, so that's sort of a borderline obsession. I, 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 That's one of my top three bands of all time. So I can't uh, ignore mentioning them. But um, yeah.
0: Well, great, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, John is gonna jump in and we'll get much deeper in the weeds of the music you listen to uh, while you're working. This is The Right Notes. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to The Right Notes. I'm John Carter here with Guy McHenry and Brent Lucia. Uh, it's not pronounced that way, it's just Lucia. Um, let's try that again. Wow, we're both on fire today, Guy. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the Write Notes. Uh, I'm John Carter here with Guy McHenry and Brent Lucia. Um, and we're talking music and writing. Um, and so let's just, just dive right into that, Brent. Um, so you mentioned kind of in the kind of pre prep for this that when you write, you know, you, God, nope. <clears throat> Sorry, Guy. Nope. I'm just overcomplicating things. All right, Brent. um, Let's just dive right in. So as you do your academic work, let's start more with the writing sides of things. Uh, What type of music do you like to listen to?
1: Right. Yeah, definitely when I'm like writing or, or uh, researching only jazz. Um, It's a weird um, thing. I mean, I can't, listen to all those other bands that i was mentioning before mainly because of the words there's there's language coming out in the music simple as that it like um i don't know why i mean it just confuses me when i'm trying to read or trying to write to hear words coming out of um, coming up from a song so um i've already you know like i love jazz anyway but i i stick to jazz when i'm researching when i'm writing Strictly. Jazz
2: is a, a, a pretty big genre. So right. what are like some of the the styles you gravitate towards perhaps in the reading versus writing process, etc?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say I was about five years ago, all I was listening to is like John Coltrane, Miles Davis, some of the, the heavy hitters, if you will, because I, I didn't know any better. And I, I didn't have the effort to push to, to learn more. Um, and then I had a colleague who's who pulled me towards Bill Evans, who I guess is also like a a pretty huge name in jazz, but I just, it never occurred to me that, you know, someone just on solo piano would be super enjoyable to, to listen to. And it took me a while. And now I I would say Bill Evans is probably 90% of what I listen to when I start to write. And, um, when I start to, to research and write, it's probably because it's, very it's just beautiful melodies that he that he sort of pulls along through just the piano most of the time um and it's kind of in the background it's kind of like it's just like someone pouring warm butter on your face for like it's, it's like the most soothing um it just it just says to me like okay now just calm down relax and just get into this groove it's such a it's such a calming experience for me so i would say that you know 90 percent is bill evans specifically he has a piece called um, some other time um, and what is there to say, these two pieces I could listen to on repeat and just get into an ac- academic writing groove.
2: So is the calming more of a like, shutting the outside world out type of thing or more of the kind of flow you want as you write or a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It triggers my mind now when I, I nowadays I've just been doing Amazon music um, just shuffle. I don't. Even, I have his albums, but I just kind of shuffle through playlists that they create, and mm-hmm. it just kind of triggers my mind to say, "Okay, Bill Evans is on." You're you're, you're researching and writing, <laughs> and I actually, you know, I know there's this is. I don't. I don't um, separate the two. Like when I'm gonna read or, or research or when I'm gonna write, um, they're both involving these like really for me and in, like, like intense sort of thinking capacities. I need to shut out the outside world and Bill Evans lately has just been the, the way to sort of trigger that. So you
2: mentioned the Amazon playlist. This has been one of the other kind of side things. And I think, you know, it's people attuned to new materialisms and all these things. The technologies we use matter. Uh, why, what do you like about Amazon as kind of a algorithm of provision versus, say, a Pandora, a Spotify, etc.?
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think I, um, man, it's so funny how these things just sort of haphazardly become involved in your life. Like to be honest with you, I, I I don't necessarily see it as a better version, better than Pandora better than these other versions. I, I got a, um, Amazon dot for Christmas, I believe. Um, my wife, you know, put it in our kitchen (laughs) suddenly, um, I was like, oh, I should probably get Amazon Music. I had Amazon Prime. It just sort of like haphazardly just all started to connect. Now, I, you know, I walk into the, the kitchen and um, I'm asking them to play Bill Evans Playlist. Now it's, you know, something I, I jump onto on my computer. So if I have to reflect back on, you know, is it better or worse than Pan, Pan, Pandora? I'm just, I'm just thinking I transitioned into it out of just, you know, the various situations that happened in my life. One being a, a Christmas gift. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. All
2: right, not all of our choices are laden with deep deliberation and meaning. Um, there you go. So sometimes life just happens. So thinking across the range of academic labor, uh, do your music choices shift when you move more into like the grading and working with student
1: work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, or I can I can definitely talk about when I was writing my dissertation too. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Cause there was this this sort of obviously deadline looming there was this like stress and anxiety of, of you know consistently having other people read it um which is I feel like different than sort of developing this sort of a- an academic piece on your own um where you're sort of creating the deadlines on your own so I don't know this more heightened feeling of anxiety and 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 need to sort of push forward i I was listening to still jazz but I was listening to some more upbeat stuff like um a Great band I like is The Comet Is Coming. Um, this is a three, it's a trio, um, and they they sort of they remind me of a, if you ever heard of like Kamasi Washington, just kind of like saxophones on fire, just kind of like burning your ears <laughs> um, with these like really raw, heavy like uh, melodies, and they 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 get you sort of energized and hyped. Um, both those bands, Kamasi Washington and um, Kamasi Washington's own. Uh, musician, of course, but, um, is coming. Both these bands are sort of just, um, heavy on the sacks and it's just super energetic and, and, really got me sort of motivated to get things done efficiently. Um, other, uh, other bands that kind of did that, there's some cool Miles Davis tunes actually that kind of got me doing that too. Dr. Jekyll by Miles Davis I would play on repeat, um, just cause it was a song that would, um, Again, no words, um, and the melodies and the energy of the song was sort of just, just driving, you know, and 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 just got me motivated to hit hit deadlines.
2: It's it's interesting to think about uh, a deadline motivation of listening as opposed to kind of other motivation. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I just hadn't kind of thought of making my music choices based on uh, urgency of work. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, what about working with students as, you know, it seems somewhere in between the kind of open flow general writing projects and the extreme urgency of a dissertation, right? We've got the urgency of return, but we've also got a certain dedication to like be thoughtful and take our time with student work. So how does music play into that type of process for you?
1: Yeah. Like editing their work or reading their pieces. I'll, um, I'll, I'll move out. it. I think 50% of the time it's, it's, it's mo- much more low key jazz for me. And, and, and the other 50% is silence. Like I'll, I'll, uh, for some reason, I, I, I'm, I'm not jumping into a, a playlist for like grading their essays or, um, grading their, um, yeah, any of their grading activities, I guess it's, it's 50, 50. I, I, I'm trying to think about why that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Maybe it draws too much attention for me. Maybe I'm trying to, in the editing process, I, I it's either going to be really soft, low key jazz or no music at all, because I'm trying to give this other person's works 100% of my attention. Um, and somehow that ability is different than giving my own work you know, my attention. I, I can't explain it, um, but I do notice that I'm, half the time I'm in the silence for for those grading experiences, which sort of counteracts the whole point of your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
2: <laughs> silence is still sound, and it's worth thinking about why right. why and when we turn to silence, right? Because I think I a page on in the background. I guess. There you go. Yeah, secretly <laughs> you're really just playing. Uh, <laughs> no one would know. Um, but. Uh, right because I also think it probably has to do with the type of grading. right I don't do as much editing as you do because I do a lot more kind of like when I do composition work half of that's visual but a lot more of mine is like rhetorical criticism argument stuff and we focus a lot more on the structure and the argument than like the kind of close editing writing skills stuff and a lot of that and I find the music is different when I'm like really having to dive into the mechanics of a paper than when I want to get to the gist of a paper where I almost need the music to kind of keep me from over-engaging the line by line in order to kind of keep my eye on the bigger kind of things that the paper's going for.
1: That's a great point. I think that's what it's, what I'm getting at. And and you outlined it really well is um, lately I've been teaching, you know, professional writing, uh, effective business writing, which is Really, like you said, zooming in on the sentence structure, syntax, diction, trying to get these folks to think about a professional style like the mechanics, and maybe that's why that transition has happened. Like silence, gets me to think about the very um, uh, close attention to the sentences, whereas the big picture work that I I was doing, and I you know I taught some literature courses, some comp- even composition. You're um, getting the students to think and, and and move their essays in a creative way. Um, those sort of zoom out, and and sort of those those um, critiques. I guess um, I could I could listen to music more with. Yeah,
2: cool. That's an interesting thing to think about. Um, f- finally, are there just kind of any other aspects of white meat? What might be a typical Brent playlist for working that you just want to highlight for us?
1: Um, yeah, I think I'm brought up. Um, some of the songs, I was saying, like I said, Bill Evans takes up a large part of it these days. I don't know why. Um, just borderline writing obsession, Peace Peace and Some Other Time are my two favorite songs from him. I'll, I'll listen to The Common Is Coming. Um, Life Force Part One is a great song from them. Um, another band I really like is Crogben. I don't know if you guys have heard of Crogben, but um, they kind of have this Hawaiian sound to them. Huh. That's the thing. Um, song by them called Mr. White. Um, Miles Davis, I really love Dr. Jekyll's a great song. Um, my boss just turned me on to a band called Wolfpack, where I think have been around for a while, but I've gotten really into them. They're kind of like this cross between Steely Dan and uh, I don't know, Van Morrison, and, but they're young kids. Um, so it's interesting, uh, yeah. They have two, I think they, they work with two pianos too. There's a song called First Place that's really good. Um, that was kind of like my highlighted, uh, my highlighted soundtrack. I also, I really like, um, John Coltrane. I like too, but Alice Coltrane is, 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 um, I believe his ex-wife at the time had these very interesting, like spiritual hymns that she would play along with jazz. And those can be really, those can work really well. I don't know the names off the top of my head. Um, but those really work really well when, when you're writing. I think it's kind of, um, it, 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 it's, um, it's good background music, any of her work.
2: Excellent, uh, that gives us uh, a, a lot of great things to look at when we're thinking about writing music and there will be a playlist of some of these cartoons in the show notes for those of you listening. Uh, we're gonna take another quick break and then Guy will be back to talk a little bit more with Brent about uh, his writing process. You're listening to The Right Notes.
0: Well, welcome back to The Right Notes. This is Guy McKendry with John Carter. Our guest today is Brent Lucia. And we just got done talking about the the music that really helps kind of push and drive his writing, his work, his grading. And so now we're going to kind of take a step back and look at how he works, how he writes. And, um, Brent, when we started this podcast, we kind of thought this was going to be a kind of throwaway um, part. And then what we've learned is that, uh, first of all, people have these like really fascinating, idiosyncratic writing processes. And then also, um, lots of people chase this kind of ideal vision of writing. And then beat themselves up for never achieving it, and so we're all about kind of like uh, diversifying and democratizing the ways we think and talk about writing to get away from that ideal. Uh, so can you if you had to just in a couple sentences describe your writing process, what would you what would you tell someone about how you write?
1: Yeah, great uh, great points i um I would think it would be definitely messy um because it needs to multiple um activities have to happen alongside the writing so in other words i need to write and then i need to get up walk around i need to stare into nothing for a little while i need to then go back read what i wrote and then i need to write again i may need to bike i may need to sit in a different space and come back to the one I was just writing. So I think one thing that sort of encompasses my writing experience is that there's multiple activities that are surrounding the actual writing act. I don't sit down and write, um, you know, five pages all together, four you know, I I can't do that. Um, I think something else that I've read in Books that are sort of giving you, you know, writing tips or how to, how to particularly with creative writing, is when you reach that breaking point, um, when you can't write anymore or when you feel like you can't write anymore. That's the time to, to you're going to feel free to sort of open up and explore um, some really deep creative thoughts for, for that piece. I, I don't experience that when I'm by. <laughs> <so> <laughs> you know, some of those that, that language you read and um, pieces that are trying to get you to, um, you know, think about different approaches to to creative writing or academic writing. That's something I don't, I never experienced when I reach my boiling point, I really need to break away. One of my favorite things I like to do is we kind of bike through the city. I live in New York, write at different cafes, take breaks, go bike to another cafe, write, go bike, write, bike. I like the sort of motion of biking gets me um very focused on the present that has nothing to do with writing and um gets my body moving and then i can go back and look at look at what i wrote afresh so So there's something
0: about that like kinetic energy that Mm -hmm. just refreshes you
1: absolutely yeah those are my favorite days my favorite writing days is when i can sort of lay out a um like a, a a map of maybe cafes or places to to write in the city um, that I can just bike to on a nice day. Um, and I also feel like, I, yeah, and it breaks up these moments where I'm staring at a screen um, because I feel like that can,
2: I don't know,
1: it's, it, I don't know if it's the, the, the technology or, or whatnot, but it, I, I reach my limitations, you know, with the screen and I need to get out from it. Um, and I don't, so I and, and and sadly I don't really like to write freehand as much. Um, so I, I both I have a love hate relationship with the computer, but I need breaks from it in the writing. Room, so.
0: so what do you look for in like a coffee shop that is productive to uh, your writing pre- uh, productivity? Are there certain things that are like deal breakers for you um, that it has to have, or are you kind of like? Any place with an open seat and a hot cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, coffee's a must. Um, again, I I have trouble with music and in, in word that are you know um, songs with words. So if they're going to be playing loud music, and usually they have words in the songs, I I, I struggle with concentration, uh, even if I like the music. So you know, low music, good cup of coffee, hopefully not too much conversation to happening around me. Um, I can get a lot of work done in a coffee shop.
0: What do you think are kind of, uh, stepping back and looking at the bigger picture, what do you face as some of the bigger kind of challenges or struggles when you're trying to write? What, what trips you up? Hmm.
1: The struggles, the big, I mean,
0: this,
1: sorry, I'm gonna have to think about this one. Um, oh, no problem. Yeah, I know there's a lot I'm trying to just articulate it in the right way. Um, I think um, first drafts are the most struggle, the biggest struggle. I forget who said something like on the lines of, you know, first draft isn't writing. Like that. the second, third drafts is when the writing begins. Something on those lines. Some some famous person said something like that. <laughs> um, and I, and I I have trouble with that first draft um sort of spewing out that those those ideas that i need to get into the paper Um, and i know and i'm already sort of anticipating that stress and anxiety that comes with that first draft um, when i sit down to write so i enjoy um going back and editing a piece um second or third time around thinking about organization and sort of larger holistic understandings of a piece um rather than um, sort of the like, wor- almost like word vomit that you have to create <laughs> in the moment, the first draft. <laughs> um, and lately, I've been trying to get back to creative writing more. Like trying to do short stories and um, and some flash some flash fiction. Um, and I've noticed that that's the same thing. Like I don't like writing the first draft, but I really enjoy and I find it less. And I find I found myself in more control. And maybe that's why I enjoy it more in the second and third draft experience, even with the the creative pieces.
0: So you, you just talked to us about some of the challenges that you run into, particularly around that first draft and, and getting going versus kind of once you're past that things get a little easier and we all have places where we hit those barriers or challenges. So what are the things that really help you kind of, push through and keeps you can get you over that hump keeps you going when you're really struggling to write
1: yeah so i think in that first draft experiences there's a lot of voices in my head saying different things i tell my students this too there's the you know the voice asking telling me to get great a great word in there you know make sure the sentence is, is flowing make sure the rhythm is attached to the rest of the paragraph make sure you know all these things about sentence structure style, diction, syntax, idea, and, and of course, the idea. Um, and initially, you know, when I wasn't writing as much, I think those voices were overwhelming. And I even tell my students this, and this is what I tell myself too, is like, you got to obviously silence some of those voices. And for me, it's the voices that are sort of really focused on sentence structure and word choice. Um, that's stress me out in that during those first drafts, like, oh, this isn't a good enough word, or, you know, this this these reviewers aren't going to appreciate how I'm handling this idea here. Um, and to just, you know, ignore those words and say, just get it out, okay? You know it's ugly. <laughs> you know it's ugly, but this idea, or, you know, the, the resemblance of this idea needs to be here in order to move forward. Um, and don't worry, go back, you'll go back and, and, and make it, better looking you know and 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 clarify it but for now just get it out and move on and so sometimes i even in my first drafts i'll um struggle with the word i want to use and i'll just you know make a line in that in that paragraph or in that sentence like a like a dash and or a note say i don't know you know and just keep moving um so i've learned to do that i've learned to just kind of silence some of the voices that are pushing for particularly word choice and sentence structure in those first drafts, and just try to get the ideas as close to perfect as possible. Keep going, keep going, keep going.
0: Yeah, I think there's this like ghost that haunts all of us um, in that we imagine that like someone out there, you know, gets it right the first time every time. And so then when we hit this wall where we're not getting it right, it's like, ah, why can I not just get this out how I want it? Um, right and, and the reality is like everyone is working through messy awful drafts and the people who don't um are the ones where we're reading and going man what are they what are they talking about or i i cannot believe that this is the writing that gets uh that got through here um you know i'm i don't mean that to to talk yeah i'm not trash talking other authors but I think that there's this realization that everyone's work gets so heavily edited that you can let go of that perfect first draft.
1: Right. I mean, even at times, sometimes I'm struggling with like a lit review or, you know, section of an essay that is trying to make a particular claim and I just can't at that moment get to it. But I have all these other points in the essay that I want to get to. So I just put in, I usually use a tile, I usually italicize. I just say, this section is going to be about blah, 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 and just <laughs> leave it and then move on to the sections that I want to write um, that, I'm, that I actually feel like in the moment I can get through.
0: Yeah, I really love that idea of just leaving chunks for the future, or even just using like blank lines when you just cannot get um, you just can't get those words right. So I think right. that's really, uh, I don't know, I love how freeing that is, and I think I'm going to play around with that. Uh, cool. Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, was saying, I oh. said great, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, John's going to step back in and wrap up our conversation. You've been listening to The Right Notes. I'm Guy McKendry with John Carter. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to The Right Notes. I'm John Carter with Guy McKendry, and today we've been talking to Brent Lucia about writing uh the academic process and seeking that music that feels like warm butter on your face thanks for joining us today brent
1: thanks for having me guys really appreciate it so
2: one of the ways we like to finish up each episode is talking about our song of the week that piece of music that's just moving us getting it right or whatever you need to do and so uh we'll start with you guy what's your song this week
0: Yeah, so uh, my song this week is, um, I think I've mentioned this band before on the show, but maybe not, but the band is called Dawes. And Mm -hmm. uh, they have this song, uh, All Your Favorite Bands, and I love it, right? So song of the week from all my favorite bands. But I was thinking, a lot about the need to give well wishes and charity to others. And then this song popped up when I was listening randomly to whatever Spotify was forcing at me. Um, And there's a lyric in here uh, that, that says uh, I hope the world sees the same person that you've always been to me and may all your favorite bands stay together. And Mm. I think that that is like this marvelous uh, like well wish to give to someone else and um you know there's so much animosity right now um and i just you know want to want to send some some charity out to others and i think this song makes me feel that way how about you john
2: yeah so i've been kind of turning back to kind of some of the music i i retreat into to ground me when i'm trying to do work or other things um and so i've gone back to listening to a lot of purity ring i've probably mentioned that i write a lot to purity ring i find their music really interesting it's kind of a little electronic very kind of soft but also got a little kind of dark turn in it and particularly this i think the song fire shine or fire shrine excuse me um is really just like uh emblematic of the, what I like about their music. And so I was just looking and it's actually like the most played song in my, um, old iTunes playlist. So yeah, that's my song. What about you, Brent?
1: Um, yeah, one of the things I love this, um, it's actually, I was watching the show high maintenance on HBO. I don't know if you guys have ever caught that, but it's a, it's a pretty good show. It's one of my favorites. And, um, they always close with the main character kind of like dancing or singing along with the song. And um there was this song called State of Independence from um John and Vincalis. John Anderson is uh the lead was the lead singer, I guess, from for Yes. Um and this song really caught me. Like I I it's very like 80s, new agey. So and I I started listening to it more, and and I listened to the album that it that it's on, and it's amazing how <laughs> how um how serious they and self-aware like how how much lack of self-awareness this band has to (laughs) how like temporary this music sounds and how 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 new agey it was and i don't know it's 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 lack of self-awareness impressed me so i've keep (laughs) every time i listen to it i don't know if i'm supposed to be laughing or like moving to its groove and (laughs) um it's it's just been intriguing to listen to um the, the album is um Actually, it was out of their best, uh, the best of John Evangelis, and Vingales and the song's called State of Independence. It's it's fun and, and embarrassing at the same time. There's nothing wrong with
2: music that's unapologetically of its time period, uh, you know, right. diving into a little Kaja Goo or the like every once in a while just for a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. As always, we'll say, if you want to help spread the word, rate and review us in whatever Podcast app you use. It helps new people find us. Um, if you're interested in talking to us, uh, links are available on our Twitter feed uh, to kind of put in a, a note to us that uh, you would like to talk about the music you listen to. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Brent. You all have been listening to the right notes.